turning your Bibles with me, if you would, to Mark chapter 9 within God's Word. Mark chapter 9. I'm going to use this as a main text and context this morning. We'll be looking at other verses, but Mark chapter 9 this morning within God's Word. What a powerful week of prayer that we have had. I don't know when in all my years of pastoring this church that we have had a greater response to the week of prayer than this week. I mean, you should have seen on Friday night the young people packed this place out. It was awesome as they had a whole night of prayer. And I'm so proud. When you have a church where the young people, the students, show up for a prayer meeting, let me tell you, God is stirring the waters of that church. And we thank the Lord for that. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Hey, did you, talking about prayer, have you heard that they have tried to locate in the universe the oldest part of the universe they have tried to locate because they can do this through the hubble space telescope the place where they believe that the big bang took place the oldest part of the universe and some nasa engineers got together and they have determined that this is the oldest place in the universe therefore that's the last place we they in their minds that's the last place that god must have been and so they got uh, a little more than twenty thousand dollars together they have put together a powerful radio transmitter and if you go to newprayer.com you can log in your prayer it will be transmitted to the oldest place in the universe where they feel that God last showed up and you can get your prayer to God 50,000 prayers a week come in through newprayer.com I'm told in the article that I read you think that's crazy well the atheists are always trying to keep up with us and the atheists don't like it that uh, we have so many uh, different ministries like dial a prayer dial a prayer they have now have their own dial atheist dial a prayer you call and it rings and it rings and it rings and it rings and nobody ever picks up <laughs> I'm so glad that I don't have to radio my prayers through somebody's transmitter to some far remote region of the universe. I'm so glad that I can come through the shed blood of Jesus Christ and I have access to the very throne of God at any place, any time. Anyone can walk into his presence with God confident assurance that he hears us even before we speak. Hallelujah. The psalmist said in Psalms 91, the psalmist said, he will call on me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him, saith the Lord. Praise the Lord. Talking of prayer, Mark chapter 9, we read, A man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son. What was the problem with this son? He's possessed by a demonic spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, he gnashes his teeth, and he becomes rigid. Reminds me of my kids when I used to tell them to clean their bedroom. 
But this boy is possessed by a demon. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit. But note the following words. But they could not. They could not. Perhaps what confronts you this morning is not as dreadful as demonic possession. But the source, the source of what confronts your life, your home, and your marriage is just the same. Let's be honest here this morning. Behind the scene of financial hardship, behind the scene of unemployment, sickness, and affliction, behind the scene of marital problems, the spirit of divorce, fragmented families, behind the scene of drug addiction, perversion, abortion, pornography, violence, and war, there is a terrible, evil, spiritual entity whose intelligence, whose power so far surpasses us that we're child's play to him. He has defeated millions of foes. He has won countless battles. Who is this dreadful enemy that I speak of this morning? Satan and his demonic forces. In the natural, Satan, in and of our own power, Satan is an indestructible, invincible, he is an impossible enemy. Yet when the boy was brought to Jesus, the Bible says that Jesus just spoke a word. He rebuked the demon. It had to flee. And the boy was set free. In the name of Jesus. The disciples later came to Jesus. And they came with a very plausible, reasonable question. Why could we not drive out the demon? This is a very valid question because the disciples had already been casting out demons. If you read Mark chapter 6, if you read Luke chapter 10, they had already been casting out demons. Remember? They cast out demons and Jesus said, Rejoice not that the demons are subject to you. Rejoice that your names are written down in the book of life. They had already been casting out demons. But they come to Jesus, so they ask a very legitimate question. Why couldn't we do it? And here's your main text verse this morning. Jesus said in Mark 9, 29, this kind, this kind can only come out by prayer. You show me a prayerless Christian and I'll show you a powerless Christian. Much prayer means much power, Christian. Greater prayer, greater power. This kind, look at those two words. This kind in the Greek the Greek word is genus. We get the word genus from it. It's our, also the word for species. Jesus was saying you're dealing with a species of demon that you've never encountered before. Up until this time, you have not dealt with this kind of power. It takes greater power to overwhelm this greater power. Jesus earlier had said that if you want to bind the strong man, then you must do so with greater authority because only then can you rob him of his goods. We need as a church to move into the house of the enemy and we need to restore back to our homes our lost children, our lost marriages, our lost joy. In the name of Jesus, we need to restore lost victory and we can only do this as we move into the enemy's camp and bind him in the name of Jesus through Holy Ghost praying. Well, at least some people believe it. 
This kind, this kind can only come out by prayer. A prayerless Christian's a powerless Christian. This kind. Folks, you have never dealt with 2015. That's right. You have never lived through the year called 2015. This is a new year. This is a year you have never encountered before. Young people, students, you have never encountered this kind of school year before, this kind of job year before, the challenges, the opportunities, the impossibilities, the mountains, the giants. You have never encountered them. We don't know about tomorrow, but thank God we know the one who holds tomorrow in his hands. Amen? That's why we cannot go into this new year as a church. We cannot go into this building program as a church. We cannot go into ministry expansion as a church in a business-as-usual, laissez-faire attitude. We must, we must, we must pray. God has given us the privilege of prayer. Prayer can move the hand of the greatest power in the universe. Prayer can move the heart of God. Will you pray? Will you pray? If you want to have prayer in a greater dimension, if you want to move into prayer with greater authority and a greater anointing, then you must pray with power. The day of lay me down to sleep prayers, the, the, the day of, of uh, immature praying must be over. If we're going to accomplish greater things for God, we must know how to pray with power. Last week, I shared with you three dynamics on praying with power. Three powerful prayer principles. Number one, we said that we must, before we move into his holy presence, we approach God with praise. Always begin your prayer time with praise. Number two, we said that we, if you want to pray with power, you must be in right relationship. Sin separates us from God, so we must be in right relationship with God. We must be in a forgiving, reconciling relationship with each other, and we must forgive ourselves. We must be in right relationship with ourselves. Thirdly, the prayer principle that we shared last week in praying with power. Thirdly, pray with expectation. <laughs> Get excited about your miracle. Let faith arise. And look at that mountain and say, Mountain, you're going to be worn out before I'm worn out because I come to you in the name of Jesus that all might know the battle is the Lord's. Hallelujah. That's the kind of faith that David had as he approached giant, the giant Goliath. This morning, I give you more prayer principles. We finish. We come with part two of praying with power. This morning, prayer that invades the impossible. Father, in the name of Jesus, give us ears to hear, hearts to receive. Come, sweet Holy Spirit, pierce the darkness of confusion. Pierce the darkness of rebellion. Pierce the darkness, O oh God, that the enemy would like to draw a veil before our spirits and paralyze and immobilize your church. God, call us to be a people of prayer. In the name of Jesus, Amen. Mark it down. Power principle number four. Pray with intercession. Pray with intercession. Did you ever have this problem with your kids? We had it with our son, not our girls, our son. All through his preschool days, he kept that thumb of his in his mouth. He was a that's right, a thumb sucker. He sucked that thumb so much, I had to check it every now and then at night when he was sleeping and pull it out to see if it was still there. 
He not only sucked on that thumb, he gnawed on it. I, I mean, he, he just loved it. We, I came close. I came close to tying his arm to a board so that he could not. <laughs> he doesn't do it now. I mean, can you imagine as a 29-year-old if he was still doing it? We chuckle. But can you imagine the tragedy that God goes through when he looks down upon his people and he sees thumb-sucking prayers? And the only time they pray is, bless me prayers, give me prayers, shopping list prayers, what you can do for me prayers. Or they only pray when they're in a time of emergency, tragedy, crisis. Come on, grow up. God calls us to a mature praying. If you want to pray with power, you must move in intercession. Paul said to Timothy in 1 Timothy 2, First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people. If you want to grow up in prayer, if you want to have power in prayer, then hear me in this. You must move into intercessory praying. You must intercede for your family members. You must intercede for your friends. You are called to intercede for fellow Christians, for your church, for your nation, and for your world. God calls you to it. Not just for bless me prayers. There's no praying like praying for your children. I was 15 years of age. I was a preacher's son. I knew the Bible at age 15 more than most of you here in the church. I could answer all the questions. And yet I was playing church. The most dangerous spirituality there can be is lukewarm, compromising, milk toast, middle of the road, fence straddling, half-hearted, passionless Christianity. I was living it. I had my pet sins that nobody knew about. And uh, I was doing things behind my parents' back. And I was living in rebellion. One day, Mom and Dad came home when I didn't think they were going to come home. And the very walls of the house were rocking. <laughs> I had Dad's stereo cranked up. I mean, it, it was, never was the same <laughs> after I cranked it up. It was uh, uh, woofer, tweeting, cracking, amp, <laughs> explosive rock music. And mom and dad, I never, it was so loud, uh, uh, I never heard mom and dad come in. And all of a sudden, dad comes in. I will not have this abomination under my roof. As long as you live here, you will not play this music. I was taller than him at that point. And I looked down at him and I stuck my little bony chest out and I said, who do you think you are? God to tell me what's right or wrong? And then God took a swing at me. <laughs> and I ducked. And God missed me. <laughs> and my dad busted out crying. He said, son! You're going to hell. That night, as I tried to go to sleep, I couldn't go to sleep because I could hear mom and dad in the next bedroom wailing out to God as they were interceding for me. 
And I had become so hard-hearted for that entire year. And then those prayers were answered as in a Sunday night service, the Spirit of God took a hold of me. And there's nothing like the Spirit of God to break a hard-hearted heart. And I'm here today, I'm preaching to you right now because a mom and dad prayed the price in prayer. Intercession works. That's why I preach it. Intercession is praying with power. When you intercede, what are you saying when you intercede? You are praying, Spirit of God, be released to knock boldly upon the heart of my lost friend, my lost family member. Jesus taught us that the Spirit comes to convict. God, the Holy Spirit, comes to woo that heart. Intercession does not save the sinner. Let's not be confused here. You have a free will. They have a free will. But intercession releases the anointing and the power and the presence of God to be able to soften that heart, to plow up the fallow ground, the hard-hearted ground, to knock loudly on that heart's door. Many times when I pray for the lost, I pray, Lord, Lord, uh, somehow, some way, send your word. Uh, Lord, as they're driving, let them see a billboard. When they're watching TV, let a TV preacher come on. Somehow, get your word into their lives. Lord, I pray like this. Lord, let them start thinking about eternity. Let them start thinking about their appointment with death. Let them start thinking about heaven and about hell. I also pray, Lord, send a holy posse. Send a holy posse of soul winners. I, I, I can remember watching uh, uh, when I was a kid watching those old police shows. Remember when the police lieutenant gets the, mic, the megaphone out and uh, he's at the gangster's house in the house. Uh, the gangster's in the house with his guns and, and, and the police captain gets the megaphone out and says, Hey, Rocky! Nothing against Italians. That's just the first name that came out. Rocky! You're surrounded. Hey, you need to pray. Spirit of God, send soul winners. Every which way they turn, let there be a Christian teacher. Let there be a Christian boss. Let there be a Christian banker. Let there be a Christian customer. Let there be Christians that surround them. Every which way they turn, let them run into Christians who share the light of the world, who share the gospel, who share Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And when you get real desperate, when you get real desperate in prayer for your unsaved loved ones, God, God, wake them up. Get their attention. Lord, somehow, some way, if you have to knock them down like you knocked down Saul on the road to Damascus, knock them down. Better to lose a limb than to lose your soul. Knock them down. Wake them up. That there's a God in heaven who sent his son Jesus to die for their sins. Intercession. Intercession. There's nothing that partners with God. There's nothing that touches the heart of God more than when you intercede. The Father's business is souls. When you intercede, you're not putting your hands outstretched to receive. When you intercede... You're holding hands with an almighty God who cannot and who will not fail. And you're moving in partnership with him. To do what 
he is focused on the most to reach his lost children, to save his lost children, to find his children who are lost and separated from him. Intercede, intercede, intercede. The highest form of intercessory prayer is the spiritually lost. It's the highest level of prayer that you can attain to. Pastor, I was a good parent. Pastor, I brought my kids to church. Pastor, I dedicated them to the Lord right down here. But, Pastor, I did all that I can do, and, and today they're grown up and now they're lost. Stop that in the name of Jesus. I said, Stop that in the name of Jesus. Through the cross of Calvary, take your stand and say, I claim you through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. It cannot be otherwise. You shall be a Christian. You will not be lost. Good seed has been invested in you. I have planted good seed in your life, and your word, Lord, shall not return void. So I release you, Spirit of God. Fertilize that dormant seed and let it grow into new life in Christ Jesus. I will not let go. I will not stop praying. I will persist. I will persevere. It cannot be otherwise. They shall be saved. Hallelujah. Claim them through the cross of Calvary. Amen. Write it down. Write it down. Our Heavenly Father yearns. To hear our intercession. He yearns to hear you to pray for lost souls. He yearns to hear you pray for your church. I'm propped up by your prayers. The burden gets so heavy sometimes. Where I get bombarded with marriages that are falling apart, uh, with financial issues, with church unity issues, until the, it gets to the point I feel like I'm ready for the rubber room. But when you pray, I am propped up by your prayers. Uh, your church moves forward. All of church problems and church issues are spiritual in nature and ultimately satanic in their source. If the church will just arise and grab the horns upon the altar and hunker down and pray and pierce the darkness, God will send the answer. God will fight our battles. Has he not said, this battle is mine, saith the Lord. Uh, I will fight. I will have the victory. Stand still and see the salvation of our God. Be still and know that he is God. Greater is he that's within us than he that's within this world. When you intercede, you pray for lost souls. You pray for Lakeside. You pray for our nation. When you truly intercede, you learn to pray for the world. You learn to pray for nations. Well, pastor, I, I don't know. I can believe for lost souls, but to pray for, like, communist China? Hey, don't put God in a box. Don't limit God. Don't uh, pray in a way that uh, uh, you, you, you believe what he can do and what he can't do. My Bible says that all things are possible to them that believe. My Bible says nothing is impossible with God. My Bible says Jesus said, ask anything in my name and I will do it. Prayer can do anything that God can do. One word sums up what prayer can do. Anything. Anything. Praise the Lord. Mark it down. Power principle number five, engage the unseen foe with prayer warfare. 
you have not really prayed unless you move into spiritual warfare. You have not really experienced power in prayer until you engage the unseen foe. The angels are itching to get into the fight, but they cannot until God's people pray and intercede. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12, for our struggle is not with people. It's not with flesh and blood. Our struggles against rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms, therefore put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, not if, but when it comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you've done everything to stand. How does God want to equip you and I in prayer, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word, the Word of God. Verse 18, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert. Always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Oh, fill in the blank. Prayer warfare, praying with power is praying with the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. When you pray, do you use the sword of the Spirit? Do you know how to wield the sword of the Spirit? Do you know what it means to enter into prayer warfare with the sword of the Spirit? Do you know what that means? It means to confess and declare the power of God's Word in prayer. This Word... The Bible says very clearly that this book is like no other book. That's why I'm teaching a class, Battle for the Bible. There is no other book like this book. Every word is drenched and saturated by the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul the Apostle said this about God's Word. Paul the Apostle said all Scripture is what? God breathed. What happens when I bring supernatural doubly anointed, God-breathed Scripture into my prayer time. Don't come against the enemy with your word. Come against the enemy with God's word. That's what Jesus did. When Jesus was confronted by the enemy, by Satan, in the wilderness, Jesus did not pull out his divine credentials. Jesus didn't call the enemy names. Jesus said, It is written! Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds of the mouth of God. It is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God and Him only. It is written, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God, but serve only Him. It is written, it is written, it is written. That's how you need to pray. Some of you are confronting the powers of darkness in such a dramatic fashion. Bring to bear the anointed, appointed Word of God into your prayer time. Use the sword of the Spirit. That's why God gave it to you. To do that, you must read the Bible. You must study the Bible. You must know the promises of God's Word. If you've got financial problems, then look that up in God's Word. Find every promise. You can do this in your concordance. If you have health problems, marital problems, take your problem, look it up in the concordance, look at all the verses, all the verses pertaining to your mountain, your giant, your battle, and then begin to claim and confess those verses in prayer. You have financial difficulty, financial problems, 
then claim the promises of God. My God shall supply all of my need according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus, my Lord. Father, I stand upon your promise that you have declared me to be the head and not the tail. I stand upon your promise. You have said that you have called me to have power to get wealth. Lord, you said all the gold and all the silver is mine. You have said that you own the cattle upon the thousand hill. You having health problems? Then Take your stand upon God's word. Lord, you said that you are Jehovah Rophe. You said, I am the Lord that healeth thee. Lord, I stand upon your promise that by his stripes we are healed. Lord, I stand upon your promise in James chapter 5 that the prayer of faith will heal the sick. I claim it. I name it even right now. You see how that works? Claim the miracle by standing upon the promises of the Lord in prayer. The written word is logos in the Greek. But W-O-R-D that we find in Ephesians chapter 6 verse 17. Ephesians 6 17, W-O-R-D, wielding the sword of the Spirit, the word of God. The Greek word is rhema. That is always something spoken. It's when you speak the word in the spirit dimension. When you confess and declare the word with God confidence. When you use the word against the forces of darkness. Like Jesus when you say, it is written. A rhema word is an anointed, appointed word for that problem, that issue, that season. For the glory of God. If you want to pray with power, Use the Word of God. Claim the promises of God. Pray the promises of God for the glory of the Lord. Prayer warfare, mark it down. Praying with power includes praying in the Spirit. Praying in the Spirit. In some church circles, in some theological cemeteries, I mean seminaries, Some Christians think that powerful praying is praying with oratory, eloquence, praying with a stained glass voice. Lord, you are the crystallized deification and manifested resplendence of God's incarnate and supernal altruism revealed in myriad manner by coalescent capacity to expedite soteriological necessity. And Jesus would say, say what? <laughs> if you want bullseye praying, the most precise, on target, accurate, and effective praying is when you move in the power and in the presence of the third person of the Trinity, God the Holy Spirit. I'm talking about being baptized in the Holy Spirit and speaking in other tongues. I'm talking about your prayer language, your praise language. When you pray in the Spirit, there are problems, there are troubles that I don't know if I'm dealing with the natural man or if I'm dealing with the spiritual dimension. But God knows. There are issues that I bring to God that all I can do is cry. I don't know how to pray. The burden goes so deep. I don't know what words to use when I'm praying. The Holy Spirit gives the words. When I pray in the Spirit, 
Listen, are you baptized in the Holy Spirit? Are you anxious for the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Have you been seeking the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Do you pray in the Spirit? I believe it was one of our young wives, uh, I believe it was Angela that came to me the other day, and she, she said, Pastor, I've been seeking the baptism of the Holy Spirit here at church, and I, I might have this wrong, but uh, I think you told me you were washing the dishes at home. Nope, somebody else then. But weren't you baptized at home? Still, see, this is what happens when Pastor launches out and doesn't check his sources here. Some, one of you young wives came up to me uh, recently. One of you young wives came up and she's been seeking the baptism of the Holy Spirit and she was washing the dishes at home and whoosh, she got baptized in the Holy Spirit, spoke in other tongues right while she's washing dishes. Amen. Amen. And God can do it for you. But he comes to those who are desperate. He comes to those who are seeking. He comes to those who are, who are thirsty. Amen. Paul said in Ephesians 6, 18, pray in the Spirit on all occasions. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 14, what shall I do then? I will pray with the Spirit and I will pray with the understanding also. When you don't know how to pray or you don't know what exactly to pray, God the Holy Spirit does. Paul said in Romans 8, in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for. But the Spirit Himself does. He intercedes for us through wordless groans. Some of you have relational difficulties. Some of you have relational problems. It could be your marriage. It could be uh, between you and your son, you and your daughter. It could be your parents and your son or your daughter. I don't know what the relational problem is, but it's grievous. It's robbing your family of joy. And you have tried to reason with the intellect of that person. You have tried to deal with the emotions of that victimizer. You have tried to even maybe manipulate the situation. Stop it in the name of Jesus. The real essence of the problem, the real essence of that person that you're dealing with is not mental, intellectual, or emotional. It cannot be done through relational maneuvering. It cannot be done through logical reasoning. You must deal spirit with spirit. The real problem with that husband, the real problem with that child, the real problem with that woman is spirit. Why not pray in the spirit to release his spirit to deal with their spirit? That's the core of the problem. That's the root of the fruit you're dealing with. Until you deal with the root, you can't see a change in the fruit. Amen. That's good preaching. Come on. Give him praise and glory. Praise the Lord. Until you deal with the root, don't expect a change in the fruit. God is spirit, and your basic essence is spirit. Until spirit is changed, there's no change in that relationship, in that person. Listen, we're living in an age where we deal with more power than at any time in human history. We are the age of electrical power, rocket power, jet power, nuclear power, and we're right on the threshold for a revolution in our society through nanotechnology, nanotechnology power.
power. They say it will revolutionize us in just two years in the way that it took 250 years for the Industrial Revolution to change society. Such is the natural power of nanotechnology. But even nanotechnology can't mend a broken heart. It cannot heal a sick marriage. It cannot change a sin-sick soul. That's why you need the power that only comes from above. What power am I talking about? Jesus spoke of it in Acts 1.8, but ye shall receive power when the Holy Ghost shall come upon you. You shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Samaria, Judea, and unto the ends of the earth. This is praying that invades the impossible. If you want to pray with power, pray with the Spirit. Pray in the Spirit. Pray empowered by the Spirit. At a recent, recent prayer meeting here in the church, there came forth a message in tongues in one of our prayer ministries. And the message in tongues, I was told, was supernaturally in the language of Spanish. The person giving the message in tongues has never learned Spanish, never went to one class for Spanish, knows nothing about Spanish, didn't even know she was speaking Spanish until the young lady that was in that service, that prayer meeting, said, I understand every word that she, has, she is saying. She is telling me that I need to stay in this church, that Lakeside will help me, that Lakeside will get me on the right path, that Lakeside is my, my answer through Christ Jesus, my Lord. The Holy Spirit is telling me to get involved in this church. I will be helped by this people. I mean, that's God. That's the Spirit of God at, at work. I mean, I haven't heard stories like that since I was in Bible college. And it's happening right here because this church is praying. This church is pressing in. We want to press in with a passion to the presence of God. That same young lady, that same young lady raised her hand just uh, uh, last Sunday and gave her heart and life to Jesus Christ for the glory of God. Hallelujah. Amen. She heeded the word of the Spirit. Listen, Lakeside's not in the entertainment business. We got an awesome music ministry, drama. We're not in the entertainment business here. We're in the Holy Spirit business. We're in the soul winning business. We're in the business of eternity. We're in uh, the kind of business that our father was in. Jesus said, I must, I must be about my father's business. What's the only thing that will keep us victorious in our father's business? Prayer. Prayer in the Spirit. Write it down. If you want to pray with power, persevere in prayer. Praying with power means praying consistently with passionate persistency. Jesus said they must keep praying until the answer comes. Jesus said ask. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened unto you. Jesus said ask. Uh, and then Paul said Pray without ceasing in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Have you ever wondered why God has us persevere in prayer? Why doesn't God just answer our prayer the first time we open our mouth? He can do that. And He does do that many times. Elijah, read the story in, in 2 Kings chapter 19. Uh, read the story of Elijah uh, on Mount Carmel. Elijah prayed just a simple prayer just once, and fire came down. 
But the same day when Elijah prayed for rain, anybody know how many times Elijah had to pray and keep praying until the rain came? Anybody know how many times? Lori, you got it seven times. Now, why? The same God that brought the fire also brought the rain. Why did God have Elijah pray seven times? Why does he have you keep praying? Huh? So that you'll develop faith muscles. If God always gave you instant answers, you would not learn how to trust him. You would not learn how to depend upon him. You would not learn how to wait upon him. And grow patience and perseverance, strength and faith of his character. To learn to love and trust him no matter what. Does not the Lord say in Isaiah chapter 40, They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings of eagles. Only wait, wait, trust the Lord. Amen. Keep on, keep on, keep on praying. It's too soon to quit. God's Word reveals the power of persevering prayer and the spiritual warfare necessity for it. The great heroes of the faith, they learned to persist in prayer. Jacob said, I will not let thee go until you bless me. That's how you need to get with, in prayer. Get desperate in prayer. Get bold in your praying. Have a God confidence that somehow, some way, God's going to show up and make a way. With it. There seems to be no way. Amen. The church started to pray without ceasing when Peter was in prison. The Bible says in Acts, Peter therefore was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. You might have to pray for me one day. I keep preaching the way I am. They're going to put me in prison. These laws keep changing. That's why we need to pray for our nation. Amen. And the church, without ceasing, prayed, and God sent angels down that supernaturally released Peter from prison because of their prayer without ceasing. Another reason why God does not instantly answer our prayers, another reason why you need to passionately persist in praying is this. There's a warfare going on. The Bible says in Daniel chapter 10 that for 21 days, 21 days, Daniel prayed and fasted unto the Lord. On the 21st day, the angel Gabriel appears. Now listen to what Gabriel says. Gabriel said to Daniel, the very first moment you opened your mouth, God heard you. But for 21 days, I have been fighting through the spiritual heavenlies, the spiritual dimension. I have fought with the demonic prince of Persia. I have fought with the demonic prince of Babylon. And only because of your praying, God sent the archangel Michael, who rescued me so that I could bring you the answer. Why do you need to keep praying? Why do you need to keep asking and seeking and knocking on heaven's door? There's a spiritual warfare going on. And God cannot answer prayers that are not prayed. What you do on earth is determined by what happens in heaven and vice versa. Pray that victory will come. Pray that God will win the battle, which he ultimately will. Keep praying. Pray until you get the answer. Pray until the battle is won. It's called praying through. 
Lastly, end your prayers in a crescendo of thanksgiving. End your prayers in a, a crescendo of thanks. Don't end your prayers with begging. Don't end your prayers with on a sad note. Don't end your prayers with pleading. Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, Give thanks in all circumstances. This is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Thanksgiving is more than mere courtesy when you end your prayer time. Thanksgiving is more than politeness in prayer. Thanksgiving is a powerful faith declaration. Jesus said in Mark eleven twenty four, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe you have received it, and it will be yours. What is your greatest prayer request? What is your greatest prayer request? Right now, think about it. What would be your greatest prayer to be answered? How would you act if it was answered right now? Huh? That's the way you need to close up every time you pray. I want you to smell the victory. I want you to taste the victory. I, I want you to get so excited about your miracle. I want you to get so excited about your answer to prayer that those hands shoot up. Uh, and Lord, uh, 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 I believe it. Uh, I receive it. I now release it in thanksgiving. And that settles it. I claim the victory. Hallelujah. That's what they did at Jericho. They gave a shout of thanksgiving before the walls came down. And that's what God wants you to do. Amen. But prayers wrapped up in an anthem of thanksgiving are prayers resonating with, with victory. Victory. You see, if our, our, our prayer time is just problem-oriented, if it's just begging, we'll, we'll leave more miserable than when we began. But if our prayers are wrapped up in thanksgiving, what a difference. What do you mean, pastor? How, how do I pray with thanksgiving? How do I end my prayers with thanksgiving? What have you prayed for? What have you asked for? What have you interceded for? Lord, I thank you that John right now is being convicted by your Holy Spirit. I thank you, Lord, that he's in your hands. I thank you, Lord, that you're knocking upon his heart's door. Lord, I thank you that you're surrounding my lost son and my lost daughter with a holy posse. Uh, Lord, I thank you that your word is going to them even right now. Lord, I thank you that you're saving. Lord, I thank you that you're healing my daughter from MS. I thank you, Lord, that you're healing my grandmother from cancer. Lord, I thank you that you're bringing the provision. Lord, I thank you that a job, a new job is just round the corner. And I want to thank you in advance. Lord, I can taste it. I can smell it. I'm getting excited about it. I will become what I believe in the name of Jesus. You will come out of your prayer time, lifted up, encouraged. You will end up more transformed and more empowered than when you began. Amen. In 2002, 2002 on the heels of 9-11, many of you know that the whole nation was gripped in terror as... At that time, we didn't know if it was one sniper or two. It ended up being two. Many of you know the nomenclature is the DC sniper. As John Muhammad and Lee Malvo, his young accomplice, were indiscriminately shooting people in the Washington, D.C. area and the Beltway. 
At the end of their carnage, there would be ten that would be slain, others injured, others crippled for life. Lee Malvo later stated that John Muhammad, who had converted to, to the Muslim faith, was desiring to get a ransom from the government in order to build a training camp for Muslim terrorists. That's what it was all about. Shooting people indiscriminately. No reason whatsoever. The news is well aware. The facts are written down in history. What the world does not know, what the world does not know, is the other side of the story. The other side of the story is this. Days before the D.C. sniper being caught, over 50 Christian truckers got together in intercessory prayer and began hunkering down, pressing into God's presence with Holy Ghost praying, claiming, claiming in the name of Jesus that the D.C. sniper would be found and caught and arrested and this carnage of violence would stop. Ron Lance, a truck driver in the D.C. area, was a part of that intercessory truck driving prayer meeting. So watch what you say about truck drivers. There's a lot of men of God out there driving trucks. Where's my truck driving Jamie? There he is, one of them. Amen. Uh, James Kloss is another one of them. He was in my first service. Ron Lance got a, was a part of this meeting. He really felt, and he told the other truckers, I believe God's going to use me to catch the sniper. He was driving his truck on the expressway and felt a check by the Holy Spirit to pull off into the, red, the rest stop. He pulled his truck off. Just then the radio, on the radio, the, the police were giving a description of the only evidence they had, a description of the car the D.C. sniper was supposedly, allegedly driving. He all of a sudden saw a car that perfectly met and matched the description he was hearing on the radio. He used, he used his cell phone to call the police. He read the license plate out to the police. He pulled his truck and blocked the exit to the uh, rest stop. And he said it was the longest 15 minutes of his life. And sure enough, here it was in the car, found by the power of God, found by the power of prayer, John Muhammad and Lee Marvel sitting right there in the car. The news media didn't tell you, but they were found. The carnage, the murdering was stopped by the power of prayer. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. story goes on, Ron Lance took the half million dollar award and did not keep one red cent for himself, but gave it to all the victims' families in the name of Jesus to let his light shine for the glory of God. How many, how many, how many are here this morning and hell's snipers are shooting and targeting and attacking your home, your loved ones, and your friends. And I declare to you upon the authority of God's holy word, enough is enough. Enough is enough. We are called to be a people of prayer. We are called to let the worshipers arise. 
and take hold of the horns of the altar and pray thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven if not us then who if not now when God's word is true if my people which are called by my name if they will pray then I will heal their land what we bind on earth will be bound in heaven God cannot answer prayers that are not prayed how about it isn't it time you invade the impossible isn't it time you pray with power stand with me right now father in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus come 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 sweet Holy Spirit run the heavens come on down Lord even now God Lord on this week of prayer Lord this pastor prays for a fresh new work a new touch a fresh anointing of your Holy Spirit Lord call forth the prayer warriors of this church Lord call us forth to arise and pray as never before hallelujah hallelujah in the name of Jesus we're going to sing that chorus we are here to worship you and as we sing it I need people I need people that are called to pray you want to pray with power you're dealing with some giants you're dealing with impossibilities I'm going to call each and every one of you to come even right now in the name of Jesus and fill up this altar area I want you to fill up the aisleways right now we're going to leave this place in praise and power and prayer I want to turn this place into a praise room a prayer room as never before on this week of prayer would you come right now we are here to worship you join me down here if you would come 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 even right now in the name of Jesus hallelujah I need you down here come on praise the Lord